All right. <clears throat> well, you might be looking at your screen if you're on YouTube and wondering what the hell is going on. Um, as you guys can tell, my camera's glitching. Uh, Jason's <clears throat> camera's working, but for some reason, it's not showing up on the screen. So we're having a boatload of technical difficulties. We're recording literally hours before this has to premiere, so um, basically it's crunch time. We just got to go forward with it. So the show must go right. on. <clears throat> exactly. So, I mean, you'll still hear us, so... <laughs> Well, like, you know, you don't, especially for anybody that does listen to us on the um, programs other than YouTube, so, but other than that, show must go on, and as they always say, you gotta work with what you gotta work with, so. Yep, exactly, so we're gonna begin... Here we're going to talk a lot about where Bobby Wagner's gone. Um, we're going to talk about some of the other free agent signings. Um, a new owner in the WNBA. <clears throat> we'll also have Tinkle on this, but I'm going to begin things with my takeaways and talking about March Madness. So we are going to focus heavily on that, and we start with the women's side. Yes, I can finally confirm some good news on the women's side. Um, guess what? Oh, maybe good news if you're not a UConn fan. Um, <laughs> so UConn women's have been knocked out in the Elite Eight, a streak that has spanned since 05. Um, you know, that they have, or a streak that's gone since 05, since they were last eliminated in the Sweet 16. First time since 07 they have failed to reach the Final Four. And let's add in for Ohio State that this is their first Elite Eight since 1993. It has been 30 years since Ohio State has been in the women's Elite Eight. <clears throat> so, I gotta say, I'm loving this changing of the guard here in terms of uh, you know, women's basketball. I'm loving this change of the tide. Or, you know, changing of the guard here. Because for those who have not remotely paid attention to women's basketball, even if you haven't, you already know, like, UConn's always the favorite. Um, mm -hmm. And most of the times, you know, in the 2010s, in the 2000s, if you picked UConn, you were going to win. There was no other school that could compete on their level. Right. So, well, yeah, especially since when I religiously watched ESPN as a kid back in the day, I remember UConn's women's program always being top of the arc, arc yeah. and then always, you know, it, either winning it all or very close to winning it all or always ending up second or somewhere in the final four every single year. Um, so to see them get out of the, in the Elite Eight honestly is a very big shocker, and it does mean that I think new things are to come, that UConn is not the powerhouse program like they once were for the women's side, that 
there are some competitors out there because I think it was even like that for them last year that they didn't get to the final, didn't get to the last two. Yeah, knocked out. So I think this is a changing of the guard. It just shows that UConn is not, you know, the powerhouse uh, team, a powerhouse conference that you know for the women's side, of course. The men's side, I would assume that UConn is not. Well, the men's side, they're the only team remaining <clears throat> that has won a national championship. But I'll get to that in a moment. <clears throat> right. Um, but the women's side, it's remarkable. Um, you know, and Gino said it earlier this year when they lost back-to-back games, all good things must come to an end, and it would appear that this run is coming to an end, and this UConn dominance is finally coming to an end. So, um, quite the changing of the guard, um... And we'll see how the women's Final Four turns out. Um, I don't think Ohio State's going to be that team, but you never know. Uh, um, But on the men's side, another unprecedented thing happened this week. Um, So all four top seeds, for the first time in tournament history have not made it to the round of the Elite Eight. Um, So this is remarkable. Last year, only one of them made it that far. Um, Of course, for those who don't know, Alabama was the number one overall seed. They were bounced by San Diego State in the Sweet 16. Um, And then Houston was trampled by Miami in the in the sweet 16 so as i had mentioned we were going to talk about this in a few minutes anyway but now it's the time um seven out of the eight that were remaining entering the elite eight have never won a title yukon is the only team that is left standing and i say that loosely as we do not know their final four fate Yet, they are the only team that we know of as of Saturday night remaining that have not won, or that have won an NCAA championship before. Um, so, so the, 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 trying to not cut you off for everybody that really um, that has or has not been following it. Who are the final four teams in the NCAA men's bracket? So the final eight right now, because we do not have a final four until tomorrow afternoon or till this afternoon, when the other two games are played. Um, so entering Saturday, it was UConn, Gonzaga, Florida Atlantic, um, who was a nine seed by the way, um, Kansas State. Um, I'll talk about that game in a moment. Um, Creighton, San Diego State, who we had mentioned. And then Miami, the aforementioned Miami, and Texas. And the biggest thing about Texas, I should note, is Texas has an interim head coach right now. They do not have 
the head coach they started the season with. And they are in a position later today to advance to the Final Four. Let's just say whoever is the interim coach might have just secured his job regardless of the outcome this afternoon. Yeah, it's safe to say. Mm -hmm. But unbelievable. I mean, this has got to be, to me, the most wild March Madness we've seen probably ever. I think you can vouch forever because of all number one seeds. And I will say, though, they were weak number one seeds. Um, Alabama, maybe you could justify, but not the number one overall. Uh, Purdue, I'm sorry, Purdue should have never been a number one seed. They were a terrible example of what a number one seed is. Um, Kansas... You gotta kind of point the finger at Bill South being out. You know, not that you can blame the coach for uh, having heart surgery, but a lot of it can contribute to that because even though his assistant did a great job coaching the team um, to that point, um. There's Bill Self's experience that was missed on the sidelines against um, their opponents there. So, you know, it's like... I don't want to say every assistant coach, because I've been an assistant for seven years. I don't want to say every assistant coach, when they have to step into the role for whatever reason, it's like great value coaching uh, or Walmart brand coaching because it's not it's just coaches like Bill Self maybe make it look that way because of the vast experience they have mm-hmm. um, and you know and I could tell you I've been an assistant coach to uh, many coaches who you know some have the same level experience as me and it just meshes where we're both um getting getting it i've coached with head coaches that maybe aren't up to speed as far as you know how games work and all that and there's nothing wrong with that you know it's nice to have a guy who knows what they're doing um and and then i've coached with guys who've had that experience you know to be fair, probably don't need me there to help them. So, maybe Bill Self was more that guy that needed didn't need that assistant, but it's great that he was there. <clears throat> um, but, but yeah, I mean, I I, I don't want to judge them as a number one seed too much is the bottom line. Um, I really don't want to judge them as a weak pick as a number one seed. The other three, um, for sure. But I could tell you with full sincerity, depending on the outcome tonight of this UConn and Gonzaga game, whoever comes out of that is going to be the favorite. I I think it's going to be very hard to vouch against either of those teams not being the favorite. Right. I mean, Gazaga was close last year. I mean, 
Yeah. But I... Exactly. And what I will say, as far as the other remaining teams, um, who could be... I'm telling you, I mean, everyone's pointing at Florida Atlantic. I think San Diego State could do the most damage. I mean, San Diego State, they... When I watched that game, they subbed in five they subbed out five and those five guys they subbed in were just as good as the five guys who were on the court and let's add in that these guys are built like football players and they play smart so i think you know san diego state can do the most damage I wouldn't even rule out Miami. Um, the U has been looking really good. But San Diego State, just the experience as well, you can add in. I, I think they could do the most damage, even though I think whoever wins in this UConn and Gonzaga game most likely is going to go on to be the national champion. Um. Personally, I think Texas can be also one of those teams that might be a threat, too. I mean, of course, Texas being um, college that um, Kevin Durant came out of, but, you know, Texas wasn't all that big when they had Kevin Durant. Now, you know, you see Texas more of being that maybe, you know, more bit, you know, bigger on the football stage and the basketball stage, but I think Texas can be a team that might, you know, and, get there as well. Florida what's, Atlantic. And, eh, and what's going I in their favor? That, right. I feel like Florida Atlantic has more of that edge of being a football program than a basketball program. That's just me. Um, I mean, FAU, I'm not saying they can't do damage, um, this will lead into my next point that they are the first team to advance to the final four. Um, but I, I gotta go back to what you said about Texas. And I will say there's one thing that works in their favor above any of these other teams. They are a big 12 program. And let's face it, based on the last two national champions, it would appear that the big 12 has now asserted themselves as the top basketball conference. Of course, we know Baylor won in 2021. Um, Kansas won last year. Texas is a Big 12 program. I'm just saying it could be a Big 12 uh, three-peat. Very well, it could happen. So, um, but Florida Atlantic, I mean, like I said, it, it was tough to say who would do the most damage as an upset but you know and I'm not saying Florida Atlantic's not a good team I'm just saying I think San Diego State is a much better organized team so I mean but Florida Atlantic's had quite a run you know beating Kansas State not an easy feat so congrats Congrats to them, and as a nine seed, they are the lowest seed remaining in the tournament. 
if I'm not mistaken. Yes, they are. So we'll have to see what they do next Saturday when the Final Four begins in Houston. But with that, I'm going to turn things over to you. Sorry if I sound a little nasally. I, I'm still uh, getting over a cold here. so. Um, but I'll turn it over to you, Jason. It's your turn. Well, personally, I think every Bills fan is pissed probably about this, uh, this signing. Well, the Seattle Seahawks and Bobby Wagner are no strangers to each other, as Bobby Wagner was part of the Legion of Boom back in the day when they won back-to-back -back years for, bless you, went back-to-back -back years for um, when, you know, Seattle played up against the Broncos, beat them, and then played up against the Patriots the year after, and everybody remembers the going for it on the goal line. Well, Seattle is now bringing back their former star linebacker Bobby Wagner on a one-year $7 million deal. Um, safe to say that he's going to finish his career with the Seattle Seahawks. And um, personally, I, I guess this is a move that makes sense. You know, you add a veteran back on your team, can help out that defense, but I just don't know, Brian. I mean, uh, I don't know what to say about this this deal for Seattle. I mean, I personally, as a Bills fan, I would have liked to see him maybe go to Buffalo, say anything with Levante David, but it yeah. just, I, I get it. Buffalo is, you know, trying to save money for the draft, but it just you know, it aggravates me as a Bills fan when you pass up on two veteran linebackers. I, I will say, it, I, I highlighted it on your script here. I think you nailed it right on the head, is that he's going to retire at the end of the next season. I think, I think so too. the signs are pointing there, and he doesn't want to sign a one-day deal and say, okay, we're good. Yep, he wants to play one last year with the Seattle Seahawks, and then be like, I I'm calling it a career. It wouldn't shock me yeah. if he says it at the, you know, tomorrow, you know, or, or um, well, it wouldn't shock me if he somehow says it today. It wouldn't shock me if he somehow says it next week, saying, hey, next year is going to be my last year. I'm going to, you know, give it my all. One last year with Seattle. It could also go without saying. It's that's happened before too. So, and honestly, if if it is his last year, I mean, why not do it with a team that you know got you to the dance before? Hmm. Not saying that Seattle's going to even get there next this coming up season, but. Don't be shocked, though, because let's face it, this year they they shocked the world this year in the biggest way possible because nobody, and I mean nobody, expected them to win more than two games. Right. 
So. Yeah. Well. Um. Well, Buffalo is no stranger to the Damian Harris, especially when the times that we've had to, that the Bills have had to go against him in New England. Well, now he comes to Buffalo on a one-year deal. Um, personally, I, I think it might be an upgrade from Stephen Singletary. I mean, he, he can catch out of the backfield. He's a pretty, you know, decent runner. And then, of course, about Devin Singletary. Speaking of Florida Atlantic, he actually was he was actually drafted out of Florida Atlantic by the Buffalo Bills. Um, he wasn't a terrible running back. Of course, now he's in Houston. Houston's trying to add a lot of pieces to that offense. Um, personally, and, and Davis Mills, I don't think he's even with the Houston Texans anymore either. So, it's going to be interesting to see what Houston does, but at least Buffalo adds another piece um, to upgrade from Devin Singletary. Of course, only on a one-year deal, so it, 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 it's probably going to be a one-year prove-it that you you know deserve to, to possibly get a, an extension. Hmm. But I don't think he's going to start over James Cook. I think this is James Cook's... Um, year to start at running back, hence why they drafted him in the second round of last year's draft. It, it wouldn't shock personally, me to see him split carries, though. Personally, I wouldn't be shocked. And it seems to be a trend for Buffalo for them drafting another running back. Hmm. Maybe. I mean, I feel like the three they got right now are pretty good, but I could see them all splitting carries. Pretty evenly. Yeah. Well, because now we got Damian Harris, Naheem Hines. I think that Hines is going to get more carries out of the backfield, if not catch more. I think that's the main reason why they got uh, Deontay Hardy from the Saints to Mm -hmm. be the punt returner slash kick returner, so then Naheem Hines can be more used of what he was in Indianapolis. Yeah, most likely. But honestly, James Cook isn't a terrible option. Him being like a, a main back. Of course, they're going to split carries. Um, but if you, if you can see, I think it's an upgrade from what the running attack was last year. Um, I think a focus more on, of course, they brought in some new guards. You know, you got Connor, Connor McGovern, and then you have... Um, Edwards, the former Rams offensive lineman. So, honestly, Buffalo has done enough to at least upgrade the offensive line, upgrade a running attack. Um, Personally, I wish they could have upgraded the receiving core. But, honestly, Trent Sherfield isn't a terrible running back. I mean, a wide receiver. He was good for Miami last year. He's a speedy slot receiver, something that Buffalo needs. Getting rid of Isaiah McKenzie kind of hurts, but honestly, he was very inconsistent in the years that he's been to Buffalo. So getting a guy that can be a little bit more consistent, being a little bit um, better, hopefully he can bring that like Cole Beasley-like aspect of being a, a slot receiver, but you know, be faster, somebody that can take the edge. 
But honestly, if I'm Buffalo, I would probably draft a receiver too. No offense to Gabe Davis, but hopefully Buffalo sees something in him that I don't see because it just I, I didn't see a big huge improvement from Gabe Davis. You know, if if, if Buffalo can get to Gabe Davis where you know that game against the Chiefs where he had four touchdowns over 200 yards, if they can get something like that out of him almost, I mean, it's saying like get it all the time, but if they can get a consistent like, you know, playmaker out of Gabe Davis, then it's like, okay, you got your number two, you got your number one, and then you got the slot receiver. But if you don't get that out of Gabe Davis, you might just have to let him walk after this season. Yeah, I mean, it's a prove-it year for him, for sure. Um, you know, especially when you have such great wide receivers still on that market like Odell. Um, right. You know, because you could I'm easily point the finger and say, we could have gotten them. It just proves to you that Odell isn't like what he used to be because when other receivers, like, Zealand, like DJ Chark, like Nicole Hardman, goes but, over but, Odell Beckham Jr. It just shows you that he's just not as good as he used to be. <laughs> but the fact that you could also point the finger and say he could have been our receiver instead of you is also saying something. The fact that he's still in the conversation. And this is different from the Kaepernick conversation. Right. Um, with and again, I don't want to drag Kaepernick into this, but it's different no. here. Is that Odell is still on the top of his game? He's not a top five receiver, but he's on. You know, he's at the top of his game. Where, you know, and I'm sorry, but it's probably going to drag some negative comments out here. Kaepernick wasn't necessarily on the top of his game when he left the league. Right. Leaving See, all I wasn't the politics really out of it. Exactly. See, I wasn't really going to talk about this, but it's been kind of rumored for Buffalo and DeAndre Hopkins. I don't see it happening. And again, it's the NFL. Anything could happen. Um, I will say, I think, Brian, I really do think that draft day is going to be interesting. I think you're going to see a lot of, like... Mm -hmm. Big trades happening on draft day, and for big none, players too. None bigger than the one we saw for the Carolina pick there, or the Chicago pick. No, and I'm sorry, not. and I know it's soon, but I think Carolina's moves, and I gotta backtrack to real quick. I think Carolina's moves show that they are all in on this NFC South. I would say so. I mean, getting a guy like Thielen, getting a guy like Chark really helps the Panthers um, and all the other weapons that they've brought in. Um, it just makes you wonder what they're going to do with... Because I would assume that you're going to draft a, a quarterback. Because right now, you don't have any PJ... You don't have... Um, don't have um, Darnold. Don't have, you know, Baker. Baker is in Tampa. 
You don't have, um, you know, Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold is, you know, elsewhere. You don't have, um, um, the one XFL, uh, former XFL quarterback there. You don't have him. Yeah, so you don't you 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 don't really have anybody. I don't think like Carolina literally doesn't have a quarterback right now. If you think about it, very true. Yeah, which I don't know if it's a good thing. I mean, they might have one. I think they might have. Don't they? Does it, does they still have Darnold? No, Darnold's in uh, San Fran. That's right. Um, so. They really don't have anybody right now, so it makes you wonder. Oh, no, I would they say have Matt Coral. Um, and keep in mind, they drafted Matt Coral last year in the third round. They've also got Andy Dalton right now. Oh, that's right. Well, I mean, Andy Dalton's not a. I guess. I would assume what he did is all right happen- last year. He didn't do enough to be a QB one, but he did all right. right. I would assume that, you know, you're going to probably go with him as your starter for the time being until the, the rookie gets acquainted. Or, or Carolina just says, hey, you know, whoever they draft, this is your team. Darnold is going to be your back. You know, um, I mean, Dalton's going to be your backup. Yeah. And so, I think... That's the truth, and I think Matt Coral's going to be either on the practice squad or cut. Probably. Uh, but this one was very interesting. So, Elijah Moore, who was, I think, the Jets' like top receiver last year, or was a rookie, too, right? Uh, for the, I believe so. For the Jets. Um, he gets traded away. Wait, third year was, coming up. Who was their top option last year, gets traded to the Browns. Browns had another piece, behind, you know, with Amari Cooper and everything like that. So, Browns might be interesting receiver-wise next year. But, mm. then they sign a speedster in McCole Hardman. So, I don't think it was a bad, you know, like here, Browns, you can have our speedy, you know, second year receiver, and then we're gonna get, you know, a, another, spe- you know, speedster, and McCole Hardman. I don't think this is a bad pickup for the Jets. No, I think it's a good one, honestly. It is. I don't know if it's an upgrade, but I mean. It's a good one if he doesn't turn out like Byron Pringle did with the Bears. But the thing is about McCole Hardman is he's never been a number one receiver, so it's going to be interesting to see what he's going to do in New York. He wasn't. Well, he was number one last year, but at the same time, we all know it was Travis Kelsey. Right. So it's going to be interesting to see. How Nicole Hardman and Alan Lazard are going to be as your one and two options. And then it's safe to say that Rodgers is going to be probably with the Jets next year. Um, so, if you're Rodgers, does this make you happy? 
that your first that your two top targets are McCole Harbin and Alan Lazard. I mean, it makes you a little bit happier, but to me, is it really? I mean, I counter that with: is it really an upgrade from Green Bay? No, not at all. So you want to go to New York and literally have the same thing happen in New York? Deal with the same shit. Uh, same shit, different team. Uh, because I hate to say it, no offense to New York, but this is not moves that help your team out at all. Of course, we don't know what's going to happen in the draft. They could draft some great, you know, players to help, you know, solidify with Rodgers. But Rodgers had rookies last year. And look what he did. He didn't do anything. He missed playoffs. You know, they didn't go 13-3 like they did in the past. Of course, losing to Vontae Adams didn't help either, but still. Well, let's be fair. They also have Garrett Wilson, who's going to be their number one receiver. You forget about him. think about him. Yeah, Um, that's right. So they do have a true number one receiver. They just have Lazard and Hardman, clearly, as their two and three. I mean, I guess that isn't terrible. I mean, it's no different, though, than... he is not Devontae Adams by any means, but it is no. no different than that where Rodgers has a star receiver and then behind is just a, a pretty decent drop-off. Right. I mean, he does have a young star and um, a pretty young up-and-coming running back, too. Of course, yes, he was hurt. But, I don't know. It just, I don't see the Jets being any less, any more than probably third place heading into the next year. It's still going to be a battle between Miami and Buffalo. Hate to say it. Yeah. Because if you look at it, New England has done nothing to improve that team. The Jets, okay, yeah, you get a, mean, like a 39-year-old quarterback. I wouldn't say nothing for the Patriots. The Patriots have gotten a few better receivers than what they've had in recent years. Um, The Jets, I don't know. I mean, the Jets feel like the threat, you know, but I mean, they feel like they, I feel like they could be havoc is more havoc is a better word than threat for the Jets. Right. Um, The Dolphins are still the biggest threat to the Bills. I agree. And, and I'm sorry, but that's not going to change next year. I In fact, it now. might be closer. And I I will say this now. It wouldn't shock me as much as it is, it's going to pain me to say this as a Bills fan. I honestly think that the Miami Dolphins are going to win the division. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say that now. I know it pains me to say it. As much as I would love to see the Buffalo Bills win the division, I just don't think that they've done enough to improve the team to win the division next year. It, it seems, based on free agency so far, that they have stalled out. Because you, you, you still have a big hole at middle linebacker. Unless there's a linebacker that they draft that looks very promising and could be a, like a day one starter and really 
help that defense out. I just say I don't think you've done enough on offense. You haven't done enough on defense. Okay, yeah, you resigned Jordan Poyer. That's a huge. Yeah. And having Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer back fully healthy next year is going to be huge for that defense. Getting Von Miller back off of ACL is very iffy. You don't know how he's going to be off of that. Um, and it, somehow Buffalo can make a mega deal where they can trade for DeAndre Hopkins or Derrick Henry. Then I can say, okay, maybe they'll be good and they can compete and stuff like that. Fine. But for right now, I would say you haven't done enough to improve that offense. You haven't done enough to improve that defense. I just think that Miami getting, you know, Jalen Ramsey, getting guys like they did, I just think that's more. Um... And let's face it, DeAndre Hopkins to Buffalo, it doesn't sound like it's going to happen. I'm sorry, it's just not going to happen. He's already right. said that he wants to go to Dallas. He's been very vocal about that. Um, you know, the Chiefs have been... Happening. Unless they somehow get rid of... Unless they somehow ship out um, Gallup. I think they'll be happy to sacrifice Gallup for DeAndre Hopkins. Because we know what DeAndre Hopkins can be at his best. Right. Um, you know, then you've heard, well, Kansas City has the cap space. Kansas City has quite a great deal of cap space versus, you know, a lot of these other teams that are trying to keep up with them. So right. now you add him into that mix. Um, and New England, I've heard, is kind of that dark horse that's in there. That could right. get it. But those are really the three teams right now that are linked to DeAndre Hopkins. This right here is why I say draft day is going to be interesting yep. to watch in April because you don't know what's exactly going to happen. You don't know if these trades are going to happen yeah. during draft day or before draft day. I'm saying it's going to be happening during draft day. That's why I say keep an eye on and... I think anybody that really watches the NFL needs to keep their eyes peeled for draft day because I think there's going to be a lot of trades that are going to happen for big mega stars. And we will get to see that in a month. Um, and I'm going to leave the rest of my thoughts on that AFC East for after the draft and yeah, once we get I, I the season going so. because there's still a lot of moves to be made. Right, exactly. So, so. Um, but with that, I think it's time to take our break here. And when we come back, Tom Brady's got a new venture and we're going to talk about it here on Sunday morning tinkle in just a moment. Here we go. Tom Brady, man, he's back. Well, in a new role. Um, he has bought a stake in the Las Vegas Aces. Of course, the Las Vegas Aces is a WNBA team. And for those who don't know, uh-huh. Mark Davis owns them. Um, so, yeah, I'm pretty sure Las Vegas Aces actually have Candace Parker on that team, too. Pretty sure. And Candace Parker's the greatest uh, female basketball player of all time. Yep. Yeah. 
two-time WNBA yep. uh, champion, too. Yep, Candace is a part of that team. So Yeah, she was with Chicago Sky and won the championship with them last season. So, um, of course, the WNBA season always starts after the NBA season. Um, so, who knows? Maybe... Maybe Tom Brady can get himself a WNBA championship ring and add to his collection, and maybe Candace Parker can help Las Vegas win a championship this year. That'd be something. Can you imagine him with eight championships, but one as an owner? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That'd be crazy, man. But It could happen. You never know. The season, the NBA, the WNBA season hasn't start hasn't started yet. You never know. Las Vegas could win it all. Candace Parker could win, win back to back championships, and Tom Brady could win WNBA championship ring. You never know. Yeah, exactly. You know, so um, good, good for see. him. It doesn't hurt to be the venture into something new. Yeah, good for him. I think this doesn't mean he's going to unretire or I don't I don't think this means he's going to stay retired though. Sorry not sorry. Uh, yeah, but the, the, I don't know. Well, I guess we'll see. No. Um I think the only way that he'll come back from retirement is if a team desperately needs him. I I think he'll be back relatively soon i don't know just something like i said it's one of those things where you just look at it and you're like i don't believe it till i see it but right it's good to see him getting into ownership you know even if it's not in the nfl um right. let's face it you know the wnba we've known for a while needs more exposure exposure and when you got big guys like Brady buying into it, you know it's getting bigger. Um, and let's add in, you know, we we can't neglect what Kobe did for women's sports, but Tom Brady right. getting in is huge um, for the growth of the sport. And hopefully this will, you know, make other athletes, make other people look at this and say, hey, you know, if Brady's investing, he believes in it. Exactly. So, um, I mean, there's already a lot of, you know, players, current and former players that are, you know, getting into ownership of NBA teams. I mean, Dwayne Wade is in ownership. Um... Even Aaron Rodgers is, uh, Larry Fitzgerald is in some ownership. Um, of course, you know, Larry Fitzgerald with the, the Phoenix Suns, Aaron Rodgers with the Milwaukee Bucks. So, it's not unheard of of former football players or current football players to get into NBA or WNBA ownership in some way. So, I just don't think we're going to see the end of it. Hmm. Yeah, and of course, um, you referenced D. Wade and the Jazz. This is really the time that you've seen anybody NFL-wise going to the WNBA compared to the NBA. Yeah. So, so I think Tom Brady's really the first 
and a fell, um, you know, based um, player that's ventured into ownership of the WNBA, to my knowledge. I could be wrong, but it seems like it. Other than maybe Mark Davis, but still. But he's only investing in it because I'm pretty sure, um, you know, because it's already in Vegas. Um, and I'm looking at the owners. Um, Magic Johnson's also invested in it. Should have mentioned that. Um, what WNBA? Yeah. I imagine he's invested in the L.A. team there, but, um, again, Mark Davis invested yeah. in it, which is good. Mark, Mark, sir. Um, Herb Simon, the owner of the Pacers, also owns the Indiana Fever. Um, <laughs> it's usually what happens is that they own multiple teams. But anyway, I think that's all we got for this story. So let's get on to Tinkle on this and this one. Oh my gosh, it's a fun one this week. Uh, what about the scam around going around the NFL? Oh, man, you let me skip the step ahead. So there's a scam going around the NFL, as Jason mentioned. <laughs> Um, there's an, there's, there's a guy going around claiming to be Lamar Jackson's agent, um, while trying to negotiate a trade, the NFL released a statement to the team saying to only contact Lamar. Um, what kind of pleasure do people find in this besides their team getting Lamar? Personally, Lamar could be another option where he is traded during the, the trade deadline, or, you know, I, I, Baltimore has a very um, weird situation heading into their hands, heading into next season, because if they don't trade Lamar Jackson, he's going to hold out regardless. He's going to want a big, con he wants a big contract. He wants the same kind of deal that Deshaun Watson did a fully guaranteed contract, which I don't know if a team's going to give him that or maybe give him something that's close to it, but uh, Baltimore has given him, you know, has offered him a big uh, contract, not fully guaranteed money. He, he has declined it, declined it, declined it. He wants fully guaranteed contract. It just, personally... I think Lamar probably should get traded away from Baltimore. I mean, they have a guy in Tyler Huntley that has proven that he can hold his own in this offense. So, and also they added another name. I forgot what they just added. I think, the Baltimore, I, think I know the Baltimore Ravens just added another receiver too. But, um, either way, it just does not um. So I I I always want to know what guy gets pleasure out of 
Florida man. I'm Lamar Jackson's agent. I'm I'm gonna negotiate trades just so, so just so then what? You can get a hell of a lot of money just to be a scammer? Is that what you're trying to do, buddy? Because it's not working in your favor. And can we point this out? I just looked up the story. Florida man tops that list. Florida man Ken Francis is the one negotiating this. <laughs> oh, man, these Florida men, I tell you. <laughs> this officially, I mean, now Florida men, for those who don't know, just search Florida man on Google. And trust me, if you needed a good laugh today, that'll give you a good laugh. <laughs> Just search Florida man on Google. But, uh, man, this might have been the smartest, dumbest thing I've ever seen a Florida man do. It doesn't another day's, you know, work of trying to, to get a hell of a, you know, big payday. Trying to act like Lamar Jackson's agent. Now, I want to know what Lamar Jackson's actual agent thinks about this oh his mom because <laughs> his mom's his agent wait really <laughs> i remember that being the story a few years ago that's probably why his negotiations keep stalling out mama thinks he's worth more than you know oh my god i did i didn't really i did not know that <laughs> that's that's something I mean, I guess. Okay, I, I guess I, I, I could see how I could see how this goes. All oh, my perfect little angels are worth a lot more money than that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, before we get wrong, uh, I will yeah. tell you this Florida man story just might have should have been tinkle on this instead of a discussion right now. But... Yeah, right. I agree. But you know what? Honestly. Kind of sad with Lamar's case, but to be honest with you, he kind of did it to himself. That's all I can say about that. Yeah. Oh man. Other so, than that, maybe we're I wasn't. To maybe that's I, interesting. Maybe I wasn't too. wrong to skip to tinkle on this. Yeah. Right. But I I just read the wrong story, but. Another quarterback is a good one for this week's tinkle on this, and that is Jimmy G. Um, so ever since he has signed that deal with the Vegas Raiders, um, well, he's been offered a few services. Um, let's just say what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, clearly. That's usually what they say. So. <laughs> Um, Jimmy G's been offered free sex for life from the workers of the night in Las Vegas. Um, man. Sounds like a hell of a deal to me. <laughs> Pretty sure the workers of the night are not the only ones that would want to, you know, do that with Jimmy G. But, yeah, I'm Probably saying this as a straight man. You know, <laughs> like I said, I'm saying this as a straight guy. That, you know, I'm pretty sure they're not the only ones. You know, no, I'm sure there's a lot of married women that would love to go after or Jimmy G. Or, or just women in general. I mean, here in Rochester, it's all Josh Allen, Josh Allen, Josh Allen. But, oh man. 
Um, not so much Jimmy G, but just the whole situation deserves a tinkle on this. <laughs> crazy, crazy. Man. But, hey. A lot of guys would kill to be in Jimmy G's situation. Right. But, um, just ask Howard Stern, Num King. <laughs> By the way, um, Joey Molinero put out a great video making fun of Howard Stern and Aaron Rodgers. Um, that's one to check out, and I don't usually like to promote other people's stuff, but that video was funny. Um, but um, on a not so f well, on a more serious note, is what I should say. What's coming up on uh, No Final Bell this week? Well. We had quite a decent amount. Um, apparently, Nick and Mac Jackson got attacked before the show even really truly began. Um, the guns have retained, and we've had some other matches where we had one star-studded um, star main event on AEW Dynamite between Kenny Omega and El Hijo Del Vikingo, and those two had a battle. Um, I will also state that um, we'll talk about it on No Final Bell, but yes, uh, Marty and I are going to be going to Forbidden Door June 25th, so we'll, we'll be definitely talking about that as well as talking about heading in onto the road of to WrestleMania and talking about what, you know, transpired with that. But other than that, what is heading on to no out of turn four? Man, trip to Toronto again. <laughs> but um, yeah. hopefully it's better than the one we took. But I'm sure it will. <laughs> I mean, it's gonna be an overnight thing, so I don't know. We'll see. But still, hey, not a bad thing though. But uh, out of turn four, can I just say Jordan Taylor? Oh my goodness! Now. Jordan Taylor is not a NASCAR driver, or not a full-time NASCAR driver, but boy, just on qualifying alone, he has made a serious impression for the first time ever stop, stepping into a NASCAR. He starts in fourth today. He's never sat in a cup car, and he starts in fourth. I mean... That is the best qualifying effort for a driver making their debut since Boris said in 1999. Mm. Oh, Lord. I'm telling you, this race is going to be fun today. Um, but I could tell you one thing. Jordan Taylor's not going to have a hard time finding another NASCAR Cup Series um, road course ride. So, um, we're going to talk about Coda, um, which the Xfinity and truck races were really good. Um, you know, we're going to have some more racing news. Um, it really was a slow week last week, and it's been kind of starting out that way this week so far. Again, for those who don't know, and I've said it so many times on here, this time of year is really just the slow season because there's no, like big news coming out um right but 
you know, it's still, you know, it's more recapping than it is news, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, but big race today, of course. I mentioned Jordan Taylor. He's only one of the big names that are entering this race today. Um, Kimi Raikkonen, former F1 world champ. Same with Jensen Button. They're both in the race. Then you add Jimmy Johnson is back in the field today. Um, the booth is star-studded with Kurt Busch and um, F1 uh, Haas boss uh, Gunther Steiner. Um, Chase mm -hmm. Elliott's in the booth today. Chase Elliott is in the booth from home, of course, still recovering from that leg injury. And we'll get an update today on his injury. I'm sure we'll get to talk about that on out of turn four on Tuesday at five. Um, hopefully these guys will be up Wednesday at five. Um, I'm sure we will be, I mean. Yeah, so... You know, we'll also talk about sacrifice, which Marty has the notes for that. I'll have notes for. Um, I already have the notes for Dynamite. I just need the notes for Rampage, and then I will definitely make sure that it'll be at Wednesday at five because, um, of course, we're recording on a Saturday. Um, currently, it's Saturday ten twelve when we're recording. Uh, Rampage is actually going on right now. It's on a special Saturday night instead of Friday night, so definitely probably watch that um, sometime soon. I'll have that up at Wednesday at five, so I will confirm. Yes, Wednesday at five for yeah um, for no final bell. Oh, I forgot this part for uh, out of turn four before we go, and this is something you'd like. Um, and this should have been Tinkle on this as well, um, backtracking a little. Josh Williams, of course, made a name for himself last Saturday at Atlanta Motor Speedway, um, was told to park the car because he extended the caution too long with uh, damage on his car, literally just dropped a piece of tape and they parked him. Well, Josh Williams said, all right, you want me to park it? I'll park it. Parked it right on the start-finish line on the front straightaway. Hopped out of the car. You know, did the heart symbol to the crowd. Waved the peace sign. Said, all right, you wanted me to park it? I'll park it. It's the ultimate sign of a savage right there. <laughs> Got called to the hauler. Um, was waiting to talk to NASCAR. Meanwhile, he's in the window once again doing the heart thing, blowing kisses to the camera and all that. So, uh... That sounds like that, like, I would do if, like, okay, you want me to park it? I'll just park it right here. I'll get the hell out and I'll just keep on walking. <laughs> uh, this should have been Tinkle on this. Why didn't I think of this sooner? But, um... That's great. Know. But yeah, he defied them, got suspended this weekend for Coda. Um, yeah, yeah, that makes sense, though. So NASCAR had the, had a good joke, too. They said, all right, you like jokes? We like jokes, too. Knock, knock. Who's there? Suspended. Suspended you. Yeah. Alright, now you can tell we're getting loopy because it's uh, toward the end of the show. So we want to thank you guys for watching. Um, <laughs> we'll see you next week. Till then, goodbye everyone.